0: Everybody seemingly in the world of the NBA has an opinion about what they would do if you were the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers in regard to how you would handle the remainder of the season in regard to your all-world player LeBron James, and we want to talk about that as we welcome you in to this 324th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you, a lot of things to talk about, and thanks as always for joining us. Since the Lakers basically now have been eliminated, I think it was about a week and a half ago. They played on a Friday night when they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks at the Staples Center in Milwaukee. Then the next night they lost again and, and that was basically the end. And since that has happened, we've learned that uh Lavar Ball's son, the ugliest man in basketball, Lonzo Ball, has now been deemed that he's been uh he's now they're putting him on the bench for the rest of the year because of a bad ankle. There's some kind of circulatory problem in the right arm of Brandon Ingram. So he's been put on the bench for the rest of the year. Um, Who's left? I mean, this team is... It's funny, you look at the Lakers the other night and it was LeBron and a bunch of nobodies when they were playing. I can't remember who they were playing. It's, It's so nondescript now. But it's funny, everybody from the sports world seems to be chiming in a little bit as to what they would do if you were Luke Walton or you were Magic Johnson or you were... Uh, Rob Pelinka, the general manager of the Lakers, what would you do moving forward with about 15 games left on the Lakers schedule and they're now a comfortable six games behind the last playoff spot in the Western Conference of the NBA, so they're not going to make up six and six or six and a half games with only 15 to play. So the Lakers are done. A lot of people would be of the belief that it would be better that the Lakers were to tank the rest of the year and improve their position in the draft lottery come the end of June when the NBA does those little balls and then they they uh, have their little draft at the end of June. Remember, only two rounds in the NBA draft, so only 60 players get drafted. But some of the so-called heavyweights in the uh, broadcasting business with a specific eye toward the NBA have had some very interesting comments about what they would do if they were in the position of being upper management or the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And it starts with Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson was on Monday morning was on the program, get up with Mike Greenberg. That's a talk show on ESPN, Mike Greenberg more famous years ago or the last couple of years with Mike and Mike on ESPN. Mike has gone to New York city, Mike Greenberg, Mike Golick has his own show now, but he stayed in Chicago. I guess there was a lot of love there between those two. Um, some way, someday when Chris gets tired of my dead ass, he'll kick me to Chicago and he'll stay in New York. But Mike Woodson, former coach of the New York Knicks at one time, former assistant with many teams throughout the National Basketball Association, Mike Woodson has said that he would sit LeBron the rest of the way. There's no reason to... The Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs, so there's no reason to potentially put Him at greater odds, or at least some odds, at at getting injured at this point. Remember, the Lakers started going down when LeBron missed 17 games after he hurt his groin on Christmas Day against the Warriors. Stephen A., of course, one of my hidden heroes from uh, his morning scream fest with Max Kellerman. Stephen A. says it's preposterous that the Lakers should not shut him down, maybe reduce his minutes, which the Lakers already are doing. As of last week, they're reducing his minutes to somewhere between 25 and 30 a night. But I think Jeff Van Gundy from TNT takes it one step too far. And his suggestion is that they should trade LeBron James. Okay, listen. You've given him $157 million over the next four years. You're not going to trade LeBron James. LeBron James is the big ticket item. LeBron James is going to recruit talent one way or the other. Come hook or whatever, he's going to get some talent to come and join him in the Southland. But to trade him, I think, is a bit preposterous. I see the minutes reduction. I also can live with sitting him the rest of the season and saving him, hopefully, at almost 35 years of age for next year. But to trade him ain't going to happen, folks. First of all, I think we've learned a lot this year in regard to LeBron. LeBron's in it for himself. LeBron is in it to bring players and to and hopefully someday for all of us that are Laker fans, reacquaint us in the Southland with winning championships. It's been a long time since the Lakers have won a championship. And uh, it goes back to, I believe, the 2008, or maybe it's the 2010 season, the last time the Lakers won a championship with Kobe and uh, Paul Gasol. But to trade LeBron at this point, uh -uh, that is counterproductive. The minutes reductions I can live with, sitting him the rest of the way I can live with, but trading LeBron James, I think that's stupid. And all the work that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka did to get Magic to put his name on, on a Laker contract for four years, would get thrown out the window if you trade LeBron James. And at this point, at 34, almost 35, and obviously he's got some issues, um, what would you get for him anyway at this point? I mean, you're going to get something, but would it be full meal value? No, probably not. So I'm just wondering, as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted, the boss, Mr. Fluke, I wonder his... Uh, what he's got, what he's feeling about this, I know he's not a huge Laker fan like I am, but I, I think I've, I've given him some NBA knowledge over the last year and a half, and he, obviously anybody, anybody and everybody has at least heard of LeBron James. I'd be interested in Chris's take on what the Lakers should do and what they've been suggested to do with their franchise player LeBron James.
1: It's so easy to say, oh, just trade LeBron, but that's a totally ridiculous thing to say right now, regardless of his age. Now, the wrong thing to do if you do keep him would be to just throw him out there, put him with a bunch of ham and eggers like they're doing right now, and just hope that he wins and then does everything and does it single-handedly, and you enjoy him and you just ride him till he's dead and has to retire. What you want to do is take advantage of this and use it properly. He wants to be there, and I may he may be somewhat distracted with some of his other interests like tv and hollywood and whatever else but i still think he wants to play basketball and i still think he's serious about winning it, unless you know like this year where it looks like he kind of checked out when it wasn't uh you know going all that swimmingly for him i'm
0: sorry i gotta interrupt i don't mean to but i re- i was listening to the comment or uh, unscripted from last week on one of my walks and your comment was so good in regard to this is how checked out LeBron was. And your comment was that a guy who doesn't play defense, Kyle Kuzma, was telling LeBron James and pointing him in the direction and go play him. defense. Yeah. So you're there. exactly
1: right. Good point. Yeah, no, he hasn't looked engaged on offense or defense, frankly, in the last few games ever since it looked like they weren't going to miraculously make the playoffs. But I saw Mike uh, nodding to what I was saying earlier. Yeah, and what I'm saying is the correct thing to do is have LeBron James, keep him on the team, because you won't get full value for him. You'll get something good. Like You could definitely get some good stuff for him. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't be full value, really. So what you want to do is you bring in good guys for the future, like guys with tons of upside who are, have a good attitude and can learn. And then you have LeBron play with them, mentor them, and all that type of stuff. And so that when he leaves, he leaves the position, he, and he leaves the franchise in, in a good situation, and he leaves it better than he found it, which isn't all that hard, frankly, because he found it in complete disarray. So the the goal, this should be a long-term thing where, yeah, maybe you can make some playoff appearances in the next few years with LeBron, try and get him some good high upside, young, eager guys that are going to learn and are going to try hard. And then in a few years, he can kind of help them. And it's like the dad helping the kids, uh, you know, without the training wheels for the first time, you shove them, you let them go on their own, and then they never forget all the stuff that they learned from uh, the great LeBron James, so that's what they've got to be looking at, but just to just knee-jerk trade him because the first year didn't go as well as you thought it would when LeBron even said that this wasn't going to be a great year, probably, uh, or to just, you know, throw him out there and not have a long-term plan and a succession plan and an exit strategy, any of that is completely lazy and inexcusable. This should be the part of a five-or-more-year plan where they set up the franchise for the future and try to restore the Lakers to their former glory.
0: No question. Well said, sir. Very well said. Um, there's, no, there's no winning this situation right now. The Lakers are bad. They're not getting any better until next year. They've been decimated by injury. But the biggest problem, I think, in Los Angeles has been a chemistry problem this year. There has been a disconnect. You see it with things like... Ray John Rondo sitting on regular courtside seats instead of with the rest of his teammates. You saw about a month ago when they were playing in Indiana amidst the worst ass-kicking that the Los Angeles Lakers have ever endured in their unbelievably rich tradition of NBA excellence, and they lost by about 50 that night in Indianapolis at the end of the game everybody's over on one side of the bench and LeBron is sitting by himself in a solitary almost like solitary confinement if you will at the end of the bench and the chemistry seems to be the biggest issue and the second thing is for all of the last five years that the Lakers have not been in the playoffs then they've had high positions in the draft I love Magic Johnson don't get me wrong but Magic Johnson and his general manager, Rob Polinka. And before that, the general manager was Mitch Kupchak, who had a great 15, 16-year run in Los Angeles. But during the time that the Lakers have had this, these high places, unfortunately, in the draft lottery, they had number two one year they drafted Lonzo Ball. The next year they drafted Brandon Ingram. They got Kyle Kuzma at the end of the first round a couple of years ago. They got Josh Hart. Uh, middle to end of first round a couple of years ago. That's fine and dandy, but the problem is these guys can't play. And I think that the evaluation of potential talent coming to Los Angeles needs to be looked at in Los Angeles. They need to have a a basketball guru kind of GM guy in there. Polinka is a good-looking guy that used to be an agent. What does he know about going to a third world country to, to find and and find some diamond in the rough kid. I mean, who is the guy in Milwaukee that went to Greece and found Giannis Antetokounmpo? Could Rob Polinka do that? Hell no. Would Magic Johnson do that? Hell no. So I think that the Lakers, you know, they want everybody to want to come and play in LA and play with LeBron and compete for championships. But, if you can't do that, you've got to do it the old-fashioned way, which is trying to find some talent. And right now, the Lakers, I don't think, have the personnel in their personnel department to do that. And that's why you couldn't trade with the New Orleans Pelicans because even as dumb as Dell Demps was as their general manager, as dumb as Dell Demps is, and it cost him his job, even he was smart enough to realize that the four pieces of crap that LA wanted to shuffle off to New Orleans wasn't worth the time of day. I mean, we can sit here and laugh and giggle and we do all the time at LeVar Ball. But he talks about how great his son is. His son sucks. The only thing his son is now is most known for is being the ugliest man in the NBA. <laughs> Brandon Ingram hasn't played up to his potential since he left Duke. I mean, right now, the biggest problem besides the chemistry problem the Lakers have is a personnel product problem. They've got one legitimate NBA guy on their team, and it happens to be LeBron James. Lance Stevenson sucks. JaVal McGee sucks. Rayjean Rondo has sucked for the last 10 years. So chemistry is a problem, but there needs to be an upgrade, in my opinion, in the Lakers personnel department so they can go out and get some real NBA talent, which they don't have right now on their current 15-man roster. And I think you could be Helen Keller and realize that.
1: Okay, I'd like you to give a report card grade for Magic Johnson's performance
0: as GM. C+. Obviously, he did a great job in getting LeBron James to come to Los Angeles. But before we make Magic Johnson king of the land again, remember this. LeBron has always wanted to to break into television and movies. And where's the best place to do that? It sure as hell is in Cleveland. It's either New York or L.A. And if you think the Lakers are dysfunctional, go look at what they're doing in New York with that idiot James Dolan. They're very dysfunctional in New York. So I think the lesser of two evils for LeBron was going to Los Angeles and playing for the Lakers. Um, I would give Magic a C-plus for, for the simple fact that, yes, he got Magic Johnson to sign on the dotted line for four years and $153 million. But again, not to sound repetitive, his ability to go out and find talent and develop talent, he has no skill for that, and that's why he's a C-plus.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. It's just another case of, uh, you know, big hero athlete from the town thinks he can be the suit as well and uh, not always the best idea. We do have some more breaking news here. As uh, in the NFL, Deshaun Jackson is going home to the Philadelphia Eagles. Just what he wanted. Yeah, what he wanted. And we don't know what the compensation is yet, but it shouldn't be too much. I'm going to guess it's one of those where they like move up, you know, they trade like a sixth for a fifth or something along or a seventh for a sixth or something. So I'm going to guess it's something like that, but who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, the most famous highlight of his career, will always be making Tom Coughlin throw the clipboard on the ground when he returns the touchdown kickoff with no time remaining. That's always going to be his career highlight. And uh, so that'll be neat to see him back uh, with the Eagles. And uh, Eagles, Howie Roseman just keeps the hits on coming. Listen, uh, I'm telling you right now, folks,
0: if they can get any productivity out of the quarterback. Um, Carson Wentz. Thank you, sir. Carson Wentz. If they can get any any productivity, because obviously they don't have the fallback plan now to go to Nick Foles, because Nick Foles, as you reported earlier, has signed a four- or five-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the new quarterback down in northeast Florida. But the Philadelphia Eagles, with what they have done, they've re-signed some guys. They re-signed that Graham from their defensive line. They have signed former Jaguar Malik Jackson for their defensive line. They've made a lot of acquisitions. And as Chris has said many, many times on this program, and I'm coming around to it, that I think, again, once again, Howie Roseman is proving to be the best general manager in a National Football League. He's not afraid to address a weakness in his lineup. He goes out and attacks that with the same ferocity as they do on the football field. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles are again going to rise to the cream the rise the cream of the crop or whatever you call it in the NFC East next year with those three other blumbering idiot franchises known as the Giants, the Redskins and the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, the Eagles are definitely the odds on favorite to win the division again. And uh yeah, Howie Roseman doing a great job. But uh, yeah, we gotta include some other great GMs and they're like we've mentioned this week, uh, you know, Chris Ballard and uh, Mike Mayock really making noise as a very very competent GM so uh, it's nice to see competence because these co- it's not just the players getting paid well these GMs get paid a lot of money too and uh, it's it's nice to see competence cuz everybody on earth is sick to death of stupid suits and executives who are severely overpaid and don't do anything and are just lucky to even have their job and uh, nobody likes seeing that anymore so I'm really happy to see some truly competent people getting the job done doing a great job and earning their keep
0: the only difference is, and Mayock has been on the job, what, maybe a month? Mm-hmm. Maybe a month. Um, Howie Roseman already has a Super Bowl championship to his resume. And remember this, folks, the last time the Philadelphia Eagles had won a championship of any kind in the National Football League, you've got to go back 58 years. You've got to go back to the NFL championship of 1960 when they beat the Green Bay Packers at Old Franklin Field in Philadelphia. 13 to 10. So Howie Roseman, man, uh, unbelievable job. And the coaching situation with Doug Peterson is solid. Ownership with Jeffrey Lurie is solid. Philadelphia folks, uh, you're in for a great run of success, I believe. And I like that they know that they have things to address they don't sit around and wait the market for the market to come to them. They go out and set the market. And that's what impresses me about the Philadelphia uh, Eagles and their ownership group and their management group. Second to none, congratulations. And uh, Deshaun Jackson, motivated, wanting to be again in Philadelphia. I think he's going to have a big year if he can stay healthy. if that's the big it's possible I mean I thought he'd
1: be done this past year and he looked great especially those first few games of the season with with Ryan Fitzpatrick he was just catching long bombs all day and so who knows I mean he was so fast in his prime and I think he's actually still quite fast uh, especially for his age so maybe he does have a year or two left but for whatever role they want him to play he should be fine I, I would imagine they're just planning on having him as a number three receiver and maybe the number two, I don't know, but uh, I, I, he should be fine for a year or two based on the fact that he looked pretty good this year. And I think he's always loved playing in Philly. So uh, yeah, that's a good signing or a good trade.
0: National hockey league is where we're going next on this 324th episode of unscripted. And uh, quietly the Boston Bruins, unbeknownst to a lot of us, not everybody, maybe just to me, I don't know. I, I did know that they were on a good roll, obviously. I didn't know that the roll had gotten to 19 games, but it did. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins snapped the Boston Bruins' point streak at 19 games with a 4-2 win on Sunday. That was their first regulation loss since January for the Boston Bruins. So congratulations to them. But what I want comment from, or and for, and in regard, my partner uh, and I, as we have said from day one of this, are not Calgary Flames. And Chris broke the news last week on Unscripted that somehow our esteemed mayor found $1.5 billion in petty cash and put it to the side for uh, major infrastructure projects moving forward, i.e., to me, that sounds like new arena for the hockey team because he wasn't able to manipulate the Olympic people and and, uh, uh, fuck that bit all up. Um, but again, I digress. I don't want to get into a I I love Nenshi debate here on Unscripted because <laughs> I hate the guy. Um, but Chris's favorite player and a lot of other players, I know Greg is a big fan of this guy, and I'm being facetious when I say this, but Matthew Kachuk had his first ever or scored his first ever career hat trick on Sunday night to help the Flames end their four-game losing streak with a 6-3 to three win over the Vegas Golden Knights, and I have been waiting all night for this, because I just was waiting to see what Mr. Fluke was gonna say <laughs> about Keith one of Keith Kachuk's sons that's playing in the National Hockey League. The other one is of course playing in Ottawa. I don't know their names anymore. I mean I know they're Kachuk's, but Matthew gets his first ever he's to his 27th, 28th, and 29th goals of the year in leading the local losers to a 6-3 win over the Vegas Golden Knights. Sir, the floor is yours. Please enlighten me about your love of Matthew Kachuk and getting his first career National Hockey League hat trick. Oh,
1: well, as we've mentioned before, this uh, piece of shit comes from a long line of pieces of shit. And uh, I'm just going to assume his grandpa's a piece of shit. I don't know anything about his grandpa, but let's just assume all of his ancestors are just, you know, one big giant turd from the same different, from the same turd tree, if that was a thing. And uh, look, I mean, every dog, every you know, blind dog's gonna find a bone once in a while, and yay, good for him. He's still everything that's wrong with the league and wrong with humanity, and he's just you know, just rotten. He's a coward. He goes around talking big and then turtles if anyone comes back at him because he's a big pussy, and he's just fucking useless honestly he's just one of these agitators whatever that even means it's just a joke I saw a proposal that somebody's got for soccer to try to uh, ban flopping where they want to make it so like if you if you get caught flopping your team just loses I'd love to see that in the NHL because if there's one place we shouldn't have it it's in the NHL and guys like him are the only types I see when they when they played the Oilers a couple months ago and he was going around lipping to everybody and then Cassian or, or Lucic or somebody came back at him and he just immediately collapses on on the ground in the fetal position like the coward he is he's totally useless the flames are on the downslope they got one lucky game after losing four in a row and uh, you know what? This guy is not the real deal. He's super overrated. He's useless and nobody likes him. He's just annoying. And if we had proper leagues, rules and proper refing, we wouldn't even have to worry about people like this because they'd always be in the box or kicked out of games for being cowardly and be giving cheap shots and running away and being cowards. And uh, we just they have no place in professional sports or even decent society. And I just have no use for this guy at all. But I am just really, really excited to see what happens in the playoffs because I'm still predicting first round exit no matter what happens.
0: Um, What year, remind me please, what year was uh, the best player in the National Hockey League drafted?
1: Connor McDavid was drafted in 2015.
0: 2015, okay. Number two that year was a guy, I believe he was from Boston University, was he not? Jack yeah, Eichel? Yeah. In 2015, the second pick of that draft, after Connor McDavid, was obviously the kid from the now playing for the Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel. I've had my issues in the past with Jack Eichel. I think he's an attitude. I think he's a prima donna. I think he's a bit of a, you know, but he has now accomplished something that Connor McDavid did earlier this year, and that is he got a two-game suspension. Did you see the hit on uh, Avalanche Forward, Carl Soderberg? No, I didn't, but I should look it up. Yeah, yet. take a look and see what you think. What did you think of it? Um, well, because I'm not a huge Eichel fan, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I don't think... I think they're being a little bit... I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see what you... Put a gun to my head. I think that they're probably trying to send a message that if you can do it to Connor McDavid, that you can do it to anybody in regard to suspend somebody. Um, I was a little surprised by it, to be honest, but then I'm not an Eichel fan. so Well, neither um, am I. So um, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that the National Hockey League was trying to stay, uh, you know, uh, united in this regard and being, if you can suspend Connor McDavid for two hits or two games for a hit on somebody, I think you have to do it to Jack Eichel as well. And that's where I... Uh, I think that's where the comparison ends. I don't know if this was worth two games, but it was. And again, I won't lose any sleep because it is Jack Eichel.
1: So I'm watching it in super. I so watched it once in real time. Now I'm watching it in real. Okay, in super slow motion. So he's going for the puck. The guy's leading. No, no, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with the McDavid suspension. I don't agree with the Eichel suspension. I didn't agree with
0: Connor McDavid suspension, but I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but now that you've seen it, I think that they were trying to stay uniform in regard to if they give Connor McDavid a two game suspension, they got to give this Yahoo a two Yeah, but you suspension.
1: can't, I, I, you're probably right, but you can't say, oh, well, we gave a suspension to this guy for doing nothing. Now we're going to give this guy well, a suspension I, for doing nothing.
0: I get that, but I mean, people are going to say, well, you gave Connor McDavid two games. This guy has done something in the, you know, non Eichel fans are going to say, well, this guy has done something similar. Why isn't he getting two games?
1: Boy, both of those shouldn't be a suspension, should not be a fine, should not even be a penalty, as far as I'm concerned. In both cases, the guy that got hit was leaning Correct. very far forward and just in, and really leaving his head exposed. And in both cases, uh, McDavid and uh, Eichel had both already committed to what they were actually going to do. And so, I think this is just lazy. It's over it's just over uh, uh it's being over cautious i guess
0: overcompensating and they're trying to in some in my opinion they're trying to put dresses on quarterbacks like what they've done yeah. in, the, in the National football league and that's disappointing. and and the thing
1: is though i guess it's just and it's clearly that they're just overly concerned with head you know head shots now and i'm not saying that they're overly concerned with brain health because you can't really be over concerned with that but you can Overreact to anything that does has anything to do with the head because this is just ridiculous. I don't see much of a way that Eichler McDavid could have done anything differently, which is the dangerous thing. It's like okay, so once in a while you're just going to be in a position where you get a suspension. There's nothing you could have done. That's not a fair thing to do, and that's incredibly lazy. And uh, I just I think that's disgusting. Frankly, I get they're trying to protect people's heads, but neither of those were. You know, were were anything to me. Like if you show that to a player in the '90s, they'd be like, "Nothing happened. What are you talking about?" And I understand they didn't know what we know about brain injuries today, but that's ridiculous. If you remember, they gave Evgeny, uh, they gave Evgeny Melkin one game for taking his stick and two-handing it as hard as he could on a guy. Right. Which, to me, is the most dangerous thing in hockey, really. That's the most reckless, aggressive thing you can do in hockey. And Gino gets one game, and then McDavid and Eichel get two. And, like, McDavid, really? Like, he has no prior history. Everyone knows his character. He's a leader and a star in the league. And I don't mean to say that being a star should get you immunity or anything like that but look everyone knows he's not a goon it's connor fucking mcdavid that's right
0: and if he had done something outrageous then we we expect the suspension to follow but for all the reasons you just mentioned i think the two game suspension on connor mcdavid was a joke and i'm not a eichel fan i have no respect for him but i think this was in that same category yeah i I, uh, I don't agree with
1: it i don't like Eichel at all but I just if you're being fair that is and this is as clearly as I can say it both McDavid and Eichel I said already but I'm going to say it again that is not a penalty that is not a suspension and that is not a fine that is nothing.
0: Before we get out of here on this uh, 324th episode of Unscripted and we get Chris uh, starting to look for things to talk about on Freeform Friday with uh, Unscripted with Mike and Chris I do have to make a quick mention that uh, a little bit of a golf story here. Um, no Tiger Woods, uh, he has a neck problem. I'm not going to ask, or I'm not going to say what I think the neck problem is from. We're just going to say he didn't play this week because he had a neck problem. He is scheduled to play this week, uh, in the, in the new, newly revamped, PJ Tour schedule this week is one of the big stops coming up. It's the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass in Ponte, Ved- Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. That's one of the big ticket items. It always has the best field in Major Championship Golf for the simple fact that it's the Players' Championship. That happens starting Thursday outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Tiger supposedly is going to play. But one of the really good guys in Major Championship Golf Shot a final round, eight under 64 on Sunday to come from behind and win the Arnold Palmer Invitational over Matthew Fitzpatrick and Rory McIlroy. And I got to tell you, I became a bit of a Francisco Molinari fan last year for the way he played at the British Open to win his first major championship. He held off Tiger Woods in a in a very uh, field of big stars at, at the British Open last year and to win his first major championship, as I just mentioned. But I was more impressed with what Francisco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood did last year at the Ryder Cup. They kicked the living crap single-handedly, those two, out of the United States team, each of them uh, winning five points uh, between the two of them for their play, both in singles and collectively. I think. Molinari ended up 5-0. I think Fleetwood lost his singles match on Sunday to end up 4-1. and But regardless, nine points between those two players and Francisco Molinari, I thought, was so impressive. And the way he made, his shot making, his putting, everything about him. And you know what I enjoy most about him? Is he, we don't ever hear any bullshit coming out of his mouth. It's just answer the questions. Give us a little bit something. Maybe it's, he's not real Comfortable uh, speaking English when his obviously his home tongue is Italian. But regardless, I just made mention of this on Unscripted because we need to find some good guys from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. And I really believe that this guy is one of them. And congratulations for the final round, eight under 64, to come from behind and win the Arnold Palmer invitation. Great job, Francisco. And keep it up.
1: Yes, and we all want to send our... Best well wishes and get well soon's out to Tiger Woods. <laughs> who, uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're all very sad that you got whiplash because a couple of blondes walked by. Horrible! What, what kind of a world do we live in where a guy can't even look, you know, without getting hurt? What a sad thing. Anyway, back on Earth. <laughs> As a nice little preview of Free Forum Friday, which is coming up next year,
0: I I, I love your sense of humor. It is so good.
1: You you like the deadpens, don't you? I do. Yeah, that's good. Deadpens, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Do you ever watch British shows? There's a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, I like, sorry, but I
0: like the BBC better than CBC.
1: Oh, sure. Well, that's real. The humor is not even close. The BBC
0: has got some really good shows on it. Oh, yeah.
1: No, hilarious. But no, just as a preview for Freeform Friday coming up next here, Daniel Negreanu at Real Kid Poker. The inevitable first round matchup between Vegas Golden Knights and Calgary Flames should be a good one. One that Vegas is simply going to win for a myriad of reasons. And uh, I like that. That backs up what we're saying here. And uh, I don't know if I agree that it's going to be that in the first round. I would love it if it was Vegas-Calgary in the first round. That would be great. I hadn't really been projecting that personally. But if that's what happens, I would be thrilled. And I absolutely agree with Mr. Negranu there that uh, I think Vegas will wipe the floor with Calgary and show this whole season was a complete mirage in Cowtown.
0: Well, I I think, um, I really believe this, that it would have to be a first round matchup between Vegas and Calgary, if it were to happen, because I don't see the local team winning a round one series. I really don't No. And so if we are going to get to see Calgary, Vegas, I like Vegas's chance of, of uh, moving on to the second round a hell of a lot better than the local team. So if we are going to see Calgary and Vegas in round one of the upcoming Western conference uh, playoffs in the national hockey league, it's going to have to be round one because I don't see the Flames see in round two. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah. And I, 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 I know we don't like the Flames and I don't like this and I don't like that. But what I don't like is their lack of scoring and I don't like they didn't address their goaltending at the trade deadline. Their goaltending is not good enough to take them to m- multiple rounds of the upcoming playoffs. You've got to have a goaltender that can steal a game for you every once in a while. And the two limp dicks on the Calgary roster for goaltending Mike Smith and David Riddick can't do it. We've got to run on this uh, 200, 300. I always do that. (laughs) Every (laughs) Every week. Always once. 324th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We thank you as always for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that with Freeform Friday coming up next. Having said all that for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.